Hey guys, this is your host, Francisca, and welcome back to the Hikers Anonymous podcast. On this podcast, I help share people's inspirational stories about how hiking, backpacking, and the outdoors changed their lives. If you have an inspirational story about how the outdoors positively impacted your life, please send a short synopsis to hikeoregon at hikeoregon.net and put in the subject line podcast guest. Today, I'm talking with Jane, who has built a healing business through spending time in the outdoors. We talk in depth about intuitive hiking and the benefit of nature on the body and mind. So today I'm here with Jane, and I really want to hear about your story, um, your history with the outdoors. Did you grow up enjoying the outdoors as a child? Yes. Um, so I grew up in um, in Moscow, Russia, and we had a lot of forests around. We had summer houses away from the cities that were surrounded by the forest. So I was outside all the time. We had no TV. I was not allowed to watch TV. I was always outside. Um, I was also doing figure skating professionally. So I was used to being in harsh weather for hours uh, when it's like zero or below. And um, I did cross country skiing as well. And it was um, required in school. Um, so, and then when I was at my summer house, we were constantly in the woods or, or swimming in the river, picking berries and mushrooms, um, or just walking by the river fishing. So I was always outside since I was little. That's amazing. When did you move here from Russia? Um, in 98, I was, um, I was 18 years old when I moved here. Oh, wow. And what brought you over here? Well, my parents always wanted to move to United States because my mom's best friend was here and um, my uncle was also here and they visited and they liked it. And, you know, back then in the 90s, it wasn't safe. My mom had a business and it wasn't safe because you never know what was going to happen tomorrow to you, to business, you know all of it. So they just wanted to be safe, I think. Um, even though we were good financially there, they just wanted that safety. So I didn't even know that, but they um, both of them were playing the green card lottery and, and they won. <laughs> so yeah, so it was very easy. The whole family came and again, they uh, like, yeah, they just, my dad got a job right away and he was going to come here anyways with working visa. So they were in the process of doing that when we won a green card. That's awesome. And where in the U.S. did you guys move? Um, we moved to Chicago, which I hated. <laughs> I never liked it there. Yeah, wow. There is what a what a difference from yeah. where you grew up to a, such a big city. <laughs> well, we were in the suburbs, but I mean, it's just houses there and county park and state park, and we had Lake Michigan. But in order to go there, you had to pay a fee unless you were a resident of the city there. Um, you couldn't even go and swim in the lake without paying a fee. And if you have a dog, you couldn't even go with the dog because they were not allowed. If you wanted to go to a state park, you had to pay a fee. I mean, everything was fee-based. There's like nothing free like we have on the West Coast. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right, right. And when did you move to the West Coast? 
Um, so I was in Chicago area for 20 years. And then finally, I was like, you know what, that's enough because every time I would go on vacation and my vacation would be like packed with outdoor stuff, no matter which country I went to. And every time I would come back, I would feel depressed for like a week or two because I was like, I only have this like a week or two enjoying it. And then I don't have it outside of the vacation time. And I was like, I can't live my life like that anymore. And I remember when I was in Hawaii, I saw this sticker on someone's car when I was driving back to the airport and it said, your vacation is my life. <laughs> and it just hit me like, I don't want this to be a vacation anymore. I want this to be my life. Um, and um, yeah, so someone suggested Southern Oregon and I moved here and it's like, I mean, all my childhood things that I love doing, it's all here. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, I, I love Southern Oregon a lot. <laughs> yeah, and Northern California. I go a lot to yes. Northern California. It's so beautiful. And there's some areas that are just not really talked about a whole lot, I feel like, in, in Northern California. No, and um, I know some locations like where it's really hard to get to, really beautiful mountain lakes um, requiring like a four by four car. And when you're there and you have the whole thing to yourself, it, it's like, I mean, it's just, I don't know, it's just an amazing feeling. So in your email, you talked about your um, healing business. Um, and so tell me a little bit more about that and then how you incorporate nature into your business as well. Um, so I do like Reiki or energy healing and, um, I incorporate those sessions into my guided hiking tours on Mount Shasta. So as everyone know, knows, Mount Shasta is very sacred mountain, um, people kind of go there to experience that or you know when they're dealing with things they just want to be there so it's just teaching everyone and even when people come to me for sessions you know the one things that I ask them is like well what do you do on a daily basis that makes you happy and a lot of them would not have anything um so for me um nature is that number one thing like I mean no matter what I can walk for 30 minutes and whatever show is having it's gone so it's just teaching people you know what it's like to be in nature how you can just sit and be quiet and just listen um and um you know see what you're get or see how you're gonna start feeling um and then of course just showing all the uh beautiful and favorite spots in nature and um so we incorporate it's a little bit of mentorship or consulting work um, or counseling, not consulting, and um, and just um, helping people with whatever issues they're going through in their life, and then you know a little bit of meditation, or even teaching them how to ground, you know, the energy into the earth, how to use your earth to to help with the issues. I mean, for some people, it might be hugging a tree. I mean, some people it's funny to do it, but it actually serves a purpose a lot of times too. Um, and also just um, teaching them about wildlife and nature because I also noticed there's a lot of fear, for example, even when it comes to black bears, 
But um, from my interactions, it has been very peaceful. Same with the deer. It's like if you have respect and if there is no fear or nothing like where the animal is going to be threatened, um, you can enjoy that experience uh, with the animals. And, um, and also just teaching people how it's a good habit to clean up if you see something on the trail and you know even though it's not your garbage pick it up <laughs> um, take it out so it's like all of those things but my my tours are very intuitive it's um it's all based on talking to the client and what they want to experience so each tour will be organized based on their needs and their abilities but also what i'm feeling intuitively for them where they need to be at so i would bring people to different spots based on what i'm feeling they need at this moment oh that's really cool so it's it's not like you're guiding people to the top of mount shasta every time no no i don't do that i mean we like at like eight thousand elevation we do go to um i mean the trails are not easy some of them but again, it's um, it all depends on their abilities and what I'm feeling. For some people, for example, it might be that they need to be more by the lake and just swim on the lake. And for some people, it might be going to the mountain first and hike, you know, to the beautiful viewpoint and do a meditation and then go for a swim. Um, so it's all individual, but I've had people who would go to a certain spot and all of a sudden they're like, I just feel emotional. I just want to cry. So that's why they had to go there. <laughs> yeah. That is such an amazing feeling when you get moved so deeply, you get moved to tears by something that you're seeing or experiencing outdoors. Wow. I, I really like that. I, um, when you said guiding Mount Shasta, I, you know, I thought, oh, okay, like a mountain guide, like you take people up to the summit. This is, this is really cool. And I've never heard of this type of business. Did you, um, kind of come up with this yourself or did you have some sort of inspiration? Um, I just came, it just came to me, um, cause I do have psychic abilities. I mean, I, I see things. So it was just, it was just coming from my guidance, the push to do that. But also, um, a lot of people, my friends and family, cause I've taken them on, on hikes a lot or different places. And they would all say how, oh my God, you have this gift. You just know where to bring people, um. You just pick the spot. And um, that's why I was like, okay, maybe I can start doing that. Because when someone books a tour, even if it's like a friend visiting the areas that I'm going to go with somewhere in the area, and it doesn't, it, it's not just Shasta, that's just how I am wired. I would show, I would have visions of locations where I need to take those people or where I need to be myself. So, I've done it this way for years. Um, so all my vacation spots, um, it's always pulled by my intuition. Wow. That's really, really neat. Yeah. So a lot of times when I just follow those intuitive calls, I'm always like able to get in when it's like super packed or no parking or no tickets left because I always go at the times when, you know, like it's like the perfect timing, you know? So how has the outdoors helped shape you into the person you are today? 
Um, I mean, it's a, it's one of the primary things in my life. I mean, it's like part of me. Um, so I know if I'm not outdoors for more than two days, um, it's very hard emotionally and mentally. It's like, you're not balanced, you know, um, your emotional state and all of it is just not the same. And I just miss it a lot. I'm also a much happier person when I'm in nature. So if, if I have that on a daily basis and nothing really stresses me out, um, I'm always very positive and um, that's just what nature does. And a lot of times if I'm feeling something, I would just go somewhere in the mountains with no people <laughs> um, and just be there on my own. Um, it also changed um, the way I looked at wildlife before. So there's again more respect and I've started observing the wildlife more. It's it's kind of like the native people did it in the past. I noticed the more you do it, the more your senses become alert and they change. So I can hike, for example, and I can hear wings flapping and I would turn my head and there's like this owl that days um, hiking and fight and looking for so they could take pictures and it's like right there. Um, I mean, I can see black bears, you know, several times a day sometimes. Um, so animals just show up um, and it's very interesting to just, you know, observe all of it and, um, and learn from nature. Um, it's also like the safe spot for me as well. That's where I feel the safest. And even though some people might be paranoid, oh my God, like I'm the only person here in the middle of nowhere. But for me, it's like, it's just home. Yeah. I, I mean, I often feel way more safe in the forest than I do in like a city for sure. <laughs> right. Because you know, you're the only one out there. Like nothing can really happen unless, you know, you get injured or something, but are you ever, uh, so it sounds like you go out uh, by yourself quite a bit. Are you ever worried in any way? Like, um, if you did get injured or something? I, um, I mostly do day hikes. Um, I don't do backpacking by myself or if I go to like a sketchy location, or a place that is new that I haven't been to and that's more challenging, I would normally go with someone first to check it out, especially if there is no um, connection in the area or if um, it takes a lot of like driving on dirt roads. It's primarily just um, if something were to happen, there is no reception, there's no one there. And even like if something happens with the car, yeah, that's always my biggest fear is on these horrible roads. What if something happens to my car? <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so that would be the case where I would normally go with someone. Um, yeah, and then I would um, I would go there with someone all the time or just the first time to to check it out. Yeah. Uh, how has your hiking journey changed from the beginning, or I guess even your outdoor? outdoor journey from the beginning, like when you were a child? I think it just became a little bit more personal where before I was just um, hiking and, um, you know, it was like more physical 
where now it's also like the mind, you know, the the emotional, it's all coming together. Um, so there's like this spiritual aspect of it. And, um, and also, like I've already mentioned, you know, different view of the wildlife, like I was paranoid of the bears, for example, I used to have dreams where the bears would like chase me and try to bite me and all of it. And I was paranoid for probably a year and a half when I moved here. And uh, I, but I was still hiking. I'm the person who would like overcome fears and not let them, you know, um, kind of be in the way. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I would see a bear print, for example, and I would just stand there freezing. Like my body would be frozen from fear. So it did take, but now I love them. So I was able to transform it. So there's again, like, it's sometimes you're hiking in the new area and like like you said it's like the roads and you're afraid if something is going to happen or if you get stranded um so there's like this stuff coming up for us or you're not sure if you're on the right trail even sometimes and the fear kicks in like oh my god i'm not gonna be back before the darkness and and you just work with it so it's it's like again those triggers are coming up and then it gives you an opportunity to work through them and you know makes you a better person and another thing like i already mentioned is i'm really i I still sometimes cannot believe that this is where i live (laughs) it's like this is really my home um and and all the childhood things that i miss like i i used to berry pick a lot or mushroom picking and here you're on the trail and you're constantly eating berries in the summer or you stumble upon mushrooms that you can eat um there's just or like walking by the river or swimming in the lake i mean we never had that in chicago and or pine trees like the smell of the pine forest so it's like all the things they've missed and I thought that I would never see again in my life, um, it's like all back and uh, it just makes me really happy. This podcast is sponsored by CS Instant Coffee, the best instant coffee on the trail. I am a huge coffee snob and I've tried countless brands of instant coffees on the trail over the years. In 2019, I discovered CS Instant Coffee, and my friends can attest that I have been absolutely obsessed ever since. I take the awesome compostable CS coffee packets with me whenever I go car camping and backpacking, and they even come with me when I go snowshoeing in the winter as a nice warm drink to enjoy at lunchtime. If you haven't tried this incredible coffee yet, let CS Instant Coffee fuel your next adventure. Walk, hike, run, or bike over to the nearest place you have internet and go to www.csinstant.coffee. That's www.csinstant.coffee. What is something that you, since you've experienced both, you know, big city or suburb living where there's really no nature around except for like city parks, and then now you know, living in Southern Oregon, which is just surrounded by endless nature. What is something that you would suggest to people who don't have, (laughs) you know, what we have here in the Pacific Northwest, who might, you know, be living in New York or Chicago or LA? 
what are some like tips maybe to so that they can also get some of the benefits of nature? I think you can find um, nature anywhere, even if it's just a park. Um, I know even in Seattle, there's my, my friend used to go to this beautiful park that was right in the middle of the city. Um, I mean, in Chicago, there's the lake and there are uh, forest parks and stuff. I mean, it's not, it doesn't have the same energy to it when it's, you know, people and cars around and things like that, but it's just for the best to be there, um, even if it's just a little park. Um, but I would say that if someone is in the city and they feel that that like that place is no longer good for them, like their feelings is pushed to move somewhere, then follow on that guidance. And it's a very hard decision to just leave everything, you know, if you have a house, sell the house and all that. But you're just, once you make that decision to move, you're going to feel so much, it, it's like the weight off your shoulders. And you're just going to be very, very happy to end the new location um, because that's where you're meant to go. Um, a lot of people are feeling that push now to move out of the cities. Um, but it's like fear that's keeping them, um, they're just afraid because it's a big thing. Yeah. I mean, change is always really, really scary for sure. And especially moving to somewhere, you know, like a smaller town and stuff like that. There's not, maybe not as many like opportunities and stuff. So I can see where, where people's fear lies for sure. What are some lessons that you've learned through being in the outdoors and hiking? I, um, I've learned to respect nature more. Um, even like picking the garbage was not my thing. You know, when you live in the city and it's everywhere, it's like, well, I didn't, you know, that's not mine. <laughs> Why should I pick it up? Um, also just caring for nature and the wildlife. Um, I also learned patience and again, like an intuition and, um, and also it's very interesting to learn about the, you know, disasters, for example, wildfires. Um, a lot of people don't want to hike in, um, in the fire area after the fire happened because they keep thinking what it looked like before or how it looks ugly now and devastating. But I actually love hiking in the burnt areas because the fire created such beautiful shapes with the trees and everything else. And especially if it's been several years after the fire where things started growing back and you have this like contrast of death and rebirth and, you know, the black and the lush green and the flowers growing, it just brings um, a very, it's just really beautiful to me. Um, and you can also learn a lot about the fire. I mean, I, I, I like to even analyze, oh, how far the flame was, or did it just like move through because of the wind or did it really burn completely? So it's kind of like sometimes turn it into scientific. Yeah. Also, I feel like you get to see, um, a lot of the landscape more too. Um, I find hiking through burn area it sometimes um, 
shows you like rocks and stuff that you never saw before. You'd had no idea this rock formation was even there because it was, you know, overgrown and stuff like that. And also the views, I, I find that hiking through burnt areas that were, you know, just thick forest a couple years ago, now you're hiking through and you see incredible views, sometimes mountain views and vistas and stuff that you never saw before because it was thick forest you were hiking through. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, I always teach people, like, learn to appreciate nature, whatever it is. I mean, whether it's rain or snow or fire, um, because if you learn to appreciate every element, then it's not going to bother you anymore. I mean, like, I, I hike in the snow a lot. I mean, without snowshoes, I just, if, you know, if it's, like, packed or whatever, like, I hike on Shasta when it's packed for several miles, and, um, and I just love it because there is something beautiful when you're just there and surrounded all this, all by the snow and again, how quiet it is. Um, so it's, I know a lot of people get depressed in the winter time, for example, because it's colder, there's not much to do, but if you find the activity in those times that you absolutely love, then those time frames are going to go fast because enjoying it so or even like hiking in the rain it's like well you're stuck with it so either yeah there's you know, nothing you can do about it right. so either you feel miserable or or you know you just like try to enjoy and and find beauty in that whatever is happening right now right now yeah speaking of winter um before we started recording you mentioned a, a fun story well I guess it's not really fun <laughs> but inspirational. Um, so you said you're a ski instructor, um, in the winter time and you broke your leg this past winter. Is that correct? Um, so I, it happened in Tahoe area when I was skiing, it was just my vacation. Um, and I, um, it was a really bad one. So I was in the hospitals there for several days. We couldn't even get out of the hospital because there's snowstorms and highway was closed. Um, and I was in my bedroom for a month because I, um, they put like those metal rods as an emergency surgery. And then there's a swelling goes away, then they can go in and do the real surgery, which is two or three weeks after. I couldn't do the crutches because um, so those, I mean, the cast or whatever you can call it, they are very heavy. So you, it's like very hard to walk even because every, you know, you start walking and then there's pain. So I was pretty much on my bed for a month until I got a lighter cast where I could start bending the knee, but the knee wasn't even bending for several months. So I had to do a lot of physical therapy, but for a month, I was inside my bedroom, which was very hard because I, I mean, I couldn't be outdoors. It was, it was very depressing. So I knew that I was going to do whatever it could to just like recover. And even when I had those heavy casts, I was doing exercises and stuff. So my muscles be working. Right, right. Yeah. Because if you don't move your leg at all for a month, it's going to deteriorate deteriorate yeah the atrophy and then when I was I got a 
lighter cat when I could start bending the knee. I couldn't walk still for another two months. I would just find places around here in nature where there is a venture. I could just bring a chair and just sit, whether it's in the mountains or the river. I mean, or I would ask my parents to drive me so I could just experience it because I needed to be out there. Um, and they were laughing at physical therapy at me because even though I couldn't walk, they would constantly be like, so what did you do this weekend? Or like, where I was like, well, we drove into snow and I just stood there in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, you were able to get outside at least a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, so once you got your cast off and you had your surgery and everything, um, how quickly were you then able to get back into hiking and, and doing the outdoor stuff? So when they told me I could do, what was that? 25% weight bearing on that right leg. I still had the crutches. Um, I was going for walks on crutches with just barely stepping on that right foot. And I would do like a mile or a mile and a half trail, like on a flat trail. And uh, I mean, I just had to do it. I mean, I had to start and I just wanted to be out there, even though it was just a mile. So I would just increase it every week. And by the time they let me to like fully step on that foot. Um, the next day I went to the waterfalls in McLeod and I did um, five miles. The the, oh, wow. the first day I was allowed to walk. I mean, I, it was, I was tired. I was, it was painful the first week, but then I, we figured out that um, I wasn't using my ankles the right way. So one day, pointed it out to me, my chiropractor and the physical therapy people, um, I changed it and then it was fine. Like there was barely any pain. So I hiked with the hiking poles, but I was already doing, you know, up to five miles, like three or four or five miles the first week after it. And, um, I mean, I'm not like a person who hikes a lot. Usually I'm more like up to five miles or so during my day hikes. Um, but I mean, I was able to hike pretty much every trail around here within the first week or two. I think I did like an 800 elevation the first week too. Oh gosh. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's awesome. So now it's, is it fully back to normal now? Um, it's, it's hard on rugged terrain when like, for example, crossing a creek is is hard to it's just balancing. Um, so it's yeah, it's not fully at its like strengths yet. Um, so I'm still I'm still working on it and um, I'm not still sure if I can ski this year or not. I'll have because I until I get the whole the full strength of the lag bag, um, it's gonna be very challenging, but I mean, we'll see. They, it's going to be at least a year of recovery. So, but it, at least I can I can hike. You know, I I can do all the trails that I can, and it's just, I mean, it just very yeah. I'm just very grateful that I can um I can be out there again. Yeah, well, and it's also your work. So 
that makes it difficult too when you get injured, but being outside and walking is your work, like it is mine, <laughs> It's it makes it really hard when you do have an injury like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I do have like a corporate job too. I mm. work remote. Um, so it's, it's not my primary, but I, I love it though. Yeah. So I just, I just do both. So I was, yeah, I was really grateful because I did work throughout the whole time that I had the injury. Good, good. Yeah. And you can work remote. So that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And I can just go and like hike and then come back to work, you know, where I can ski and come back to work. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I used to do that too. When I had a corporate job, I would work a lot in the morning and take a little hiking break and then come back in the mm -hmm. afternoon, finish some things up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's nice too. But yeah, I, I understand. It's like I was getting a lot of encouraged for hiking tours when I was injured. <laughs> and that's like, it was a bummer that I couldn't do any of it. Yeah, for sure. Ugh. What is currently one of your favorite things about being in the outdoors? Um, so like we said already, it just feels like home to me that's my second home <laughs> being in nature and, um, and I'm just like in pure bliss or I'm so happy. I mean, even when I, I've started doing, I watched this documentary about PCT and, um, I'm like so grateful that we have so many access points to the, um, I don't know about where you're at, but we probably have like. I don't know, 15 or so access points to the trail. Um, so that's one of my favorite trails to hike around here. And um, so what I started doing, I started kind of doing section hikes and I would start off where I left off the last time. For me, um, I feel so much joy when I do a new trail. Um, it's like you're just walking and you're just in pure bliss. <laughs> And even on PCT, I mean, even though it, it's just going through the woods, it does change every several miles. I mean, even if you're doing two or three miles, it's it's different. Some of it is meadows, some of it is forests, the views. Um, so I I like exploring new things. I mean, that's just that's why I travel a lot a lot around here for day, just day hikes, um, because I I need something new constantly. <laughs> going and um and then like again in the summer it's nice to just eat the berries and like blackberries or salmon berries at the coast um and in the winter i mean if the first snow i'm like out there <laughs> the in the snow and my dog loves it too he loves the snow and the water so it's just a um I like the variety of things that we have around here because within two hours away, you could have so many different landscapes and different things. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you mentioned the PCT. I think the Southern Oregon PCT is some of my favorite sections just because, like you said, it's so varied. You're not, you're barely hiking two or three miles and it's completely different landscape. So you just never get bored and all of a sudden there's meadows and you can see Shasta to the south and then you're hiking through this beautiful forest and then you have some more meadows and you see Pilot Butte or Pilot Rock 
Um, and then, you know, you can see McLaughlin here and there. It's just stunning, absolutely stunning PCT sections for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I've been trying to piece it together. I think I'm pretty much almost done with kind of from like Oregon, California border all the way to Pilot Rock. I just have stuff several miles left to cover. Nice, nice. Yeah, you're right, though, with the access points, there's a lot more access points down there. Um, kind of where I am, if if you go to the PCT, like Willamette Pass area, after that, like, there's not a lot of access points, you're hiking, you know, um, a good, like, at least 25 miles or so before your next easy access point. So it's more of like overnight sections, whereas you can definitely do a lot of sections as day hikes, which is awesome. Yeah. I mean, I go to Mount Ashland a lot because when it's 90 degrees on the valley, it's only 70 degrees over there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that's really nice. So um, I guess my last question is um what is a message you would like to share with the listeners um well a lot of people ask me if or i hear it from a lot of people who are just beginning to hike or wanting to begin to hike is like oh i can't do that because it's hard um but no it's not actually and anyone can do it so no matter what shape you're in no matter like your abilities, there's always going to be a trail that's going to be good. So you don't have to start with something crazy. You can just do, you know, little hikes or like flat hikes and, or even just sitting near the lake or the river, or, you know, just somewhere in the mountains and just to feel what it's like to be out there, especially for someone who has been in the city or hasn't explored things a lot. And then, um, like I mentioned already, if you feel the pull to go somewhere, whether it's a national park or some area or, I mean, just go with it. Just listen to that intuitive guidance because you're, you're meant to go there and you'll see why. You're, you're just going to be a total, totally different person and sometimes you can have a total transformation. Um, and I'm also surprised how many people live in like an hour area and um, and they would look at you like, oh, you're hiking in the mountains. Like it, it's like it's you know a thousand miles away. <laughs> but I mean, it's right here, everyone can do it. Um, so yeah, so I feel like people have been disconnected from nature, and um, and a lot of them are starting to get back into it, but they just don't know how, or or they think you know they just have to summit a mountain right away, you know. <laughs> Just go out and try and, um, you know, and just do it because, again, it doesn't matter um, what shape you're in or that you haven't been exercising. You know, there's a trail for, like, each level. That's very true. Yeah. And just getting getting yourself out there, whether it be half a mile or five miles, I, I think you get the benefit regardless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true question about the being intuitive and being called to a certain place do you also feel that it's important to listen to that intuition that voice 
when it's saying the opposite, because I, I've had that a few times and I can't really put my finger on it, um, where like I've had a plan to go somewhere, but something inside of me is just screaming, like, don't go there. This isn't the hike for you right now. Like, cancel, like, don't do it. Do you think there's something to that as well? And I can't ever say why. I, you know, I, I'm not like, oh, yeah, because there's a fire nearby or, you know, I, there's no reason. It's just something inside of me occasionally will just be like, don't go there today. Yeah. So that's your intuition telling you not to do that. And that's very important to listen because if we don't listen, then that's when we can have an accident or something is going to happen or just the plans are not going to work out. And uh, so it's very important to listen to those as well. And I mean, that's kind of, I learned my lessons the hard way with my ski accident because both times when I had my injury, when I was backpacking in the Grand Canyon and um, with a skiing accident, I had a vision before it happened that it would happen and I didn't listen. So if I listened to my intuition, then it could have been different for me. So that's, that's why it's very important to listen to both. I mean, there's kind of, it could be tricky because sometimes it could be our own fear telling us not to do it. Right. I was just going to say, if there's a fine balance between your gut feeling and then also just fear that, you know, normal people have. Right. I think it would be more like if you just sit and feel into that. And if you feel like you're safe to go there, um, that no matter what, everyone is saying or what they're showing on the TV or the fires, like knowing you're going to be safe, that um, then you do it. But if like, if it's, you know, this feeling of like, just not being right, the gut feelings, then you have to listen to that. Um, and I've had instances too, like where I would be feeling to go to places and there would be an active fire nearby. And I would be like, well, it's just going to be smoky there I mean like covered in smoke and it was like no 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 no. just like go there and it's fine it's gonna be fine and then I go there and there's no smoke that day and it's like a day and if I didn't listen I would have missed that opportunity so for it's like if you're supposed to be there then nature's gonna work its magic and it clears the skies or you know like or the rain is gonna fall whatever it is but it's like there is a reason why you have to go there or yeah. So it always works to our benefit if we learn to listen. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think there's always a certain level of, you know, being nervous, you know, if, especially if you're solo hiking or something or going backpacking, there's always a level of nerves before a trip, but just, you know, sitting with those feelings and being like, okay, no, I'm just nervous. You know, that that's different than I think that gut feeling. It's different. Yeah. But the more you start listening and you know, those feelings and intuition, it's going to get stronger and stronger and that you are going to be able to work with it. Because if you're following your intuition, your life is just kind of in the flow 
and everything is working out for you. We just, again, we just have, it takes time to develop it. I mean, not everyone has those abilities, every single person. It's just whether you call it a gut feeling or intuition, it's the same thing, but it takes time to, to learn to develop it. And again, women are naturally more in tune with this because we more like into feelings and emotions. So it's easier for women than men to do it. That's interesting. Wow. Very cool. Well, I loved hearing all of this. This was so awesome and inspiring. And uh, yeah, just listening to your story and and how you grew up and came over here. And I, I love it. I I appreciate you wanting to come on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Yes. And I will um, link all of your website stuff and your tour stuff um, in the show notes below if you want to email those over to me. Okay. Um, I can do that. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Again, if you have an inspirational story about how the outdoors positively impacted your life, please send a short synopsis to hikeoregon at hikeoregon.net and put in the subject line podcast guest. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe and happy trails.